Welcome, food enthusiasts, to this issue of the Future Foodcast. I'm Pam Line Miller, your host, and I'm going to have a great time today with our guest. We have Kate Brooks with us. She's the Senior Vice President of Sales for the Calavo Prep Division, and she's going to tell us all about fresh food. Welcome to the podcast, Kate. Thanks, Pam. I'm really excited to be here today. Yes, here at the Future Foodcast, we love fresh food, and I know that's the whole space that you're playing in. So tell us a little bit about your company and then what part you're playing there. Okay. Calavo is an almost 100-year-old company, year old company. It was founded in 1924, so a couple of years, a year and a half from now, we're going to have a really exciting celebration. Today, it's the largest supplier of avocado products in the world. So we're set up with two business units. We have our Calavo Grown division, which is all of our commodities, avocados, tomatoes, and papayas. And then we have what I'm responsible for, which is our Calavo Prep division, which is our guacamole and salsa business, as well as value-added fresh fruits, fresh veg, salads, sandwiches, all of that good, all of that good food you can run into your grocery store and pick up for convenience and helpfulness in the kitchen. All the things that make shortcuts easier, but keep your food fresh and exciting. Yeah. And the, the largest supplier in the world of avocado products, I <laughs> just avocado and avocado products. That's, that's really a big deal. People love avocado and it's so good for you in all of the healthy categories. We're always hearing, you know, how good it is for you to have those products. Um, so that's exciting that you do that. And this is worldwide you supply. We do. We do. We have a healthy export business, both on the avocado side and the guacamole side. The products on our value added side are very short shelf life. So we want them to be as fresh as possible. So they're distributed almost exclusively in the U.S. Um, because as they come off of our lines, they only have five or six days of freshness and shelf life. Yeah. Well, hang on just a minute. That's a really quick turnaround time. So that's a challenge that some other food producers or manufacturers, distributors don't have. Can we talk about that a little bit? How do you, how do you meet those timeframes? You know, our production model is described as just in time. Okay. So everything has to happen in a very specific time frame. Um, we have a very short lead time on orders. For instance, if you're a customer of ours, you can place your order today. We are going to cut it, produce it tomorrow stage it to put it on a truck and it's going to deliver to your warehouse or to your store the next day. And this is where the magic happens, frankly. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, the production, the production is one thing. There's learnings in any of that, but the logistics is really what makes this business effective, <laughs> exciting, <laughs> exciting. <laughs> exciting, I think is a generous word, Kate, but we'll go with that. Absolutely. But you know, what's really interesting about it, I've been I've been in this business now for about 17 years. I can't envision doing anything else. There's a, a pace um, and a variety in the work I do in a day and uh, a purpose in what we do and how we deliver it um, that it, you know keeps me from thinking some days like, oh gosh, I'd rather sell frozen food or kitty litter or something that's not going to expire. <laughs> or as, I love it. As some well, people call it. Oh, go ahead. A ticking time, you know, our, our food sometimes is a ticking time bomb because you've got such a limited window to get it on the shelf and get it into the consumer's hands. Well, I appreciate you though, because I'm one of those people that goes to the grocery store on a every other day or so basis. I love to get the fresh food. And when I'm time crunched, you know, I don't want to take the time to chop up my own fruit or 
whatever it might be, or maybe I want to buy the guacamole already made. And instead of starting with the whole avocado, for example, and so I appreciate what you do, but how do you, how do you do that production wise turn around so fast? I mean, do you have big machines or what happens there? You know, there's a, a surprisingly little automation in what we do. I think as people envision how pineapple gets chunked and gets into a plastic container or not on the shelf, they envision a, you know, a big, a big machine that's chunking pineapple. It's exceedingly manual, you know, so if you walk into our, our fruit cutting room, which I like to call Willy Wonka's fruit room, because it's beautiful with all of these colors and all of these smells and all of this activity. Mm -hmm. um, I think the average consumer would be really surprised to see how many people it takes to make that happen. Um, and I, I have to give as, as much credit as possible to these, these team members of ours who are processing this fresh food you know, quality and safety first in their minds. Um, so they're always having to be vigilant, excuse me, for what they're seeing and what's coming by them on the line. But that also takes place in a essentially a big refrigerated box. So it's a 35 degree room designed to protect cold chain from, you know, washing and receiving and cutting until it goes out the door. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think most of us can imagine standing around for eight hours in a 35 degree room. Absolutely. So it's a, it's, Absolutely. it takes, it takes a, a really dedicated team to make this happen on a daily basis. Well, and I would say talented too, you know, cutting fruit is not an easy job and I'm sure they've worked out all the best ways to do that, to preserve them as much fruit as possible and have as little waste as possible and all of that. But, but I really appreciate them. And one other thing you said though, that's really important uh, from a consumer standpoint, is that safety piece. You know, we all see in the news about plants or manufacturing facilities or facilities like your Willy Wonka cutting room that are shut down because, and it's because of a safety issue or some kind of health hazard. But what I heard you say was everybody's responsible for that in your facilities. That culture is not normal. Uh, and it's, you know, it's interesting. I think, I think it's changing. Um, one of the very, very interesting shifts I've seen is a, a very heightened awareness about foodborne illness. You know, if I think back 15 or 20 years, somebody would get sick with something, you know, be it listeria or salmonella, and they'd be like, oh, I've got a stomach flu, or I ate something bad. But knowledge of these illnesses like salmonella and listeria and E. coli um, has really evolved. Um, and the average consumer has a much greater grasp on what those terms mean. And so we do have to have a culture that is, its foundation is food safety and quality. Um, in fact, when you walk in our facilities, any of them, the first thing that you see is a posted statement signed by our president and CEO with our commitment to quality. Um, and it is the, as you walk in the door, it is the first thing that your eyes will find. Um, and it's, it's absolutely necessary for the success of our business. Um, a food safety event could happen to anybody at any time, uh, regardless of how vigilant you are and diligent in your practices. Mm -hmm. um, but we ingrain it from the moment somebody starts, no matter what level of the organization, from yeah. the warehouse receiver to the production team, to the management team, to the sales team, to the leadership team. Well, and thanks for sharing that message, because I'm glad to hear you say that you feel like it's shifting a bit. Traditionally, 
it, it hasn't been as good, but you're right in the in the age that we're in with just in time news too, finding out about things and we're identifying those things better and better and being able to uh, track them back to the source. And you know that that is really important to have that whole safety piece in mind. And I'm so glad to hear it. Would I know that I'm getting a Calavo product if I go to my grocery store? Is your name on it or are you supplying a lot of your sellers with I guess, kind of unbranded product. How does that work? So our business is largely centered around the, the magic that we can create in the store. The retailer wants you to believe that what you're buying was cut fresh in their store mm -hmm. um, that day. So you'll see, you know, if you look at our product, sometimes if you look at the back, it'll say distributed by Calavo. Okay. Um, but more often than not, it's going to say distributed by retailer X. Um, there are a couple of tips and tricks that would tip you off as to whether or not we made it or somebody else did, you know, like shrink bands are generally a common sign that it has come from somewhere else rather than in the store. But today we have very few Calavo branded products in the market. Most of them are private label for our retailers. Yeah. Interestingly enough, we are making a big push in the coming months um, to bring more brand awareness to Calavo. Um, we put out a big marketing initiative in the late spring. Um, we've been playing with new packaging and labels to really leverage the Calavo legacy that the avocado and commodity business has been able to drive on the prepared side of the business. So uh, I would say to everybody out there in the coming months, look for the Calavo brand on your favorite pineapple because because we're coming. Yeah, that's that's great. I'm glad to hear it. And I, like I said, I I like to buy the fresh food all the time. Uh, tell me about the commodity business. You brought you said the avocado and commodity business. So there's a couple different pieces there, and and you're really on the avocado side. What does the commodity side do? Oh well, so the commodity side is really all of our whole avocados, tomatoes, and papaya shipments. So doesn't get processed at all. It, you know, if if you go into your local grocery store and buy a whole avocado, that's the grown side of our business. Um, and, you know, we'll, we've had brand awareness for years because there's a little sticker on it, right? That says Palavo. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, there's a, a gentleman who has worked in our business um, and is, is now retiring currently, but he, he had been with Calavo for 50 years and he was managing the crown side of this. He tells a wonderful story about in the, the 70s when people didn't really know what avocados were and they didn't have the popularity that they have today, right? Like avocados are really having a moment currently. You know, they're a, they're a superfood and you see them everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, people would call the office and ask for a hundred boxes of those Calavos because they, they didn't, you know, <laughs> avocados weren't a thing. Um, so- it's, it's, it's great stories and a uh, wonderful legacy that that side of the business yeah. has established to now lend to our value-added and prepared side of the business. Yeah, We're excited to really take advantage of their success. That's a fun story. And yeah, the, you're right. I mean, on the prep side of the business, the food is prepped, obviously, but, and, and the whole um, produce is on the other side. And that makes a lot of sense. I never have heard about 
you know, some kind of fruit or vegetable having a moment. So that made me laugh. <laughs> I, I just like, I just like that. Uh, so as you have this prep, you, you have this short kind of just in time with the orders and the, and getting the product to the retailer. And you talked about logistics being the backbone of the business. So can you share a little bit about how you accomplish that? Frankly, in a day, I don't know how we accomplish it, um, but it, <laughs> okay, if you think that's, that's done, uh, we do have a whole logistics team who's responsible for creating a network of freight lanes, both for our inbound shipments, because you can imagine if we're processing all this fruit, it's coming in on dozens of trucks a day um, mm. to our various facilities and all that needs to be coordinated. And then everything is getting processed and getting out the door, which requires a, a, a whole separate arrangement. Mm -hmm. Generally, our product is delivering, it, you know, it goes on those trucks in the late afternoon or the evening, and it's in the DC or the store by four or five or six o'clock in the morning. So, you know, from the time we start to cut fruit to the time it lands on somebody's dock or on somebody's shelf, it's generally less than about 24 hours. Amazing. Amazing. Now with the pandemic, I know that buying habits changed a little bit as far as I, I know me as a consumer. I mean, we were doing more things online, maybe not going to the store quite as much, or if we, what did you see with your business? You know, I, I hate to say that anybody benefited from the pandemic because it was such a challenging time in so many ways. Mm -hmm. um, but our business did see some shifts in some unexpected ways. Um, you know, first and foremost, we went through that phase where there was a lot of unclear information about how the virus could be transmitted via food, right? So there was a big shift back toward packaged goods mm -hmm. because they seemed safer. The food couldn't be touched or handled. Um, so we did see an uptick in our packaged in our packaged offering, which you know had eroded a little bit in favor of people wanting to save money to cut their own food and to you know learn how to cut a pineapple. The other interesting trend that we saw is people got really tired cooking and meal planning and anything that they could find to create a shortcut. I, it was very interesting right in the first 90 days. I'm going to learn to make bread. I'm going to learn how to roast a chicken. I'm going to, I'm going to make, you know, jambalaya from scratch and I'm going to do all the prep. Well, we were all, we were all yeah. so ambitious. Oh, absolutely. We were all going to become the next celebrity chef, right? And with our own, you know, our own YouTube channel where everybody was excited to see us within about 120, 150 days of that, people had had it. So any shortcut that they could find, whether it was to pick up diced onions, you know, buy a mirepoix that was already processed, um, really was of help to them in terms of combating some of what we've called meal fatigue. The last thing was we do a variety of entertaining trays and platters designed to pick up for a party and all of those things. The thing we really didn't see coming um, was the increase in sales on those items. Um, because instead of, you know, while entertaining went away, you could buy that fruit tray and it would be fruit for your family for a week. So you could limit your trip to the grocery store. You had fruit that you could serve. You had fresh vegetables that you could provide, which I think we envisioned that our, our tray and platter business would completely erode. Um, but we saw it go the opposite way, which when we first talked about it was surprising, but then when you really kind of got down to it and talked about the reasons behind that made a lot of sense. People were scared to go to the grocery store. 
They needed, you know, fresh food still to be able to provide to their family. And here it all was in one format, even though you might pay a little more for it. Well, I bet that that buying habit might actually stay once people realize that's a solution for saving some time and providing some fresh food for their family while limiting trips to the store. I mean, that, you know, you might not lose all of the increase you saw or the, you know, the change in the habit that you saw because uh, parties are going to come back too. I mean, people are getting together more. And so that business, that piece of that business for that product is going to come back. It'd be interesting to see what the data shows moving forward. It, it will be, um, you know, we, for us, it was, it was a great sales narrative. Like it's a good, it's a good story to tell when we're talking to customers mm-hmm. about ways to re-envision purposes for what they're providing, you know, mm-hmm. and different ways to label things, you know, vegetable trays that say great for meal prep, you know, or, yeah. you know, here's seven snacks for your your zoom schooled kid for well because people are they are interested in yeah the children were at home snacks were are an issue still and and people's eating habits have changed i know i spend a lot more time here in my home office than i used to and things are coming back for me to be out on the road a bit but still i find myself rather than eating like big meals i will have kind of healthy snacks throughout the day and I'm sure there were parents and others who were home working that wanted to have some good choices, not just a bag of chips yep. uh, on the shelf. And that's a great solution. Your your preps division products are a great solution for that. So that's, that's really cool. Well, uh, it is challenging, I'm going to say, like you said, not a shelf staple, stable item that is just where you can ship it when you need to ship it and you have 30, 60, 90 days, you are the make it less than 24 hours in the store, the logistics of that, plus the prep of that. I mean, that's an amazing story. I'm I'm excited to know about it. I'm looking forward to seeing some additional products that you are going to have coming out our way. What else would you like our future Foodcast audience to know about Calavo and about what you do before we go, Kate? You know, I think if there's anything we can share, it's the, the importance of a fresh, healthy diet. Um, and, you know, even if it's not your go-to, if you love a burger and fries, and I will be the first to admit, I love a burger and fries. Um, these products that we provide give a really easy alternative. You don't have to learn how to cut a pineapple, which is challenging. You don't know how to have to learn how to skin a mango. You don't, have to perfect your knife skills to dice an onion, but there's so many easy ways to incorporate these fresh and healthy products into your normal day um, to establish what's what's being called as a more flexitarian diet, where you don't have to abandon some of the things that you already love, and you know those moments where you just need to eat badly, but you can take these items um, and just throw them in here and there to give yourself the benefits fresh and healthy fruits and vegetables um, without, without a complete compromise on the way you like to eat. You know, so as we think about our, our consumer, it's, it's not necessarily the folks who are way on the other end of the spectrum with their eating habits. It's really about how do we influence the habits of the everyday, the everyday consumer who has a, a wide range in their diet. So, you know, if there's just one or two things that you pick up in the store as you're walking through the produce aisle, the benefits to your, to your health and well-being are enormous and you don't have to make big sweeping change. 
Well, and I think the everyday consumer, the everyday person is really looking for those healthy alternatives, Kate. So I'm so excited to have you on. And so you could share Calavo's story with us. I think it's a great story of the company and what you're doing. And uh, we look forward to the future. Thanks for being with us. I really appreciate the time, Pan. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcast. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 